Give the Lord praise this morning. Amen. Ah, thank you. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> I'll take off. Working myself out of a job. <laughs> now I'm going to ask you to turn to the book of Leviticus, chapter 20 of the book of Leviticus, the third book of the Bible. Leviticus chapter 20, I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. Thank you so much, Alyssa, for sharing this morning. <clears throat> Leviticus 20, verse 1. I'm reading from the New International Version of the Bible. This is what it says. The Lord said to Moses, say to the Israelites, any Israelite or any alien living in Israel who gives any of his children to Molech must be put to death. The people in the community are to stone him. I will set my face against that man and I will cut him off from, the, from his people. For by giving his children to Molech, he has defiled my sanctuary and profaned my holy name. If the people of the community close their eyes when that man gives one of his children to Molech and they fail to put him to death, I will set my face against that man and his family and will cut them off from their people, both him and all who follow him in prostituting themselves to Molech. Father God, I pray this morning that you would enable me to speak your holy word I pray, Father God, that it would land on good soil in our hearts, that it would produce fruit. Help us to imagine, to see with clarity what it is you desire to say to us today. In Jesus' name we pray, and God's people say, amen. amen. You know, there was a country just on the other side of the river, Jordan River. Israel was on one side, and there was a country on the other side, and the name of that country was called Ammon. Ammon, there's a country of Ammon. And the god of Ammon was a god by the name of Molech. Molech. He was known as the fire god, and in some places, the god, the god of the sun. He had different names depending on where you were, Chemosh for other people. Some had a different variety of Molech, and they called him Baal. But Molech was known as the fire god, and he was worshiped with human sacrifices. Human sacrifices, not adult sacrifices, not parents on behalf of their children, but babies. Babies were sacrificed to Moloch. Children were thrown into the burning arms of this false god. The image of Moloch was constructed with hollow brass. They would build this humongous brass uh, uh, statue, an idol. And it was hollow on the inside so they, they could set a fire inside of it. And his arms were outstretched to receive the children of those that would come and sacrifice their babies in his hands. Outstretched to receive them. They started a fire on the inside of him. And when the metal was just right, when it began to glow, so hot that it began to glow, the priest would take the children of those that would sacrifice their babies and they would place them in his hands. And they would play drums loudly 
began to play the drums to drown out the baby's cries, preventing the parents from hearing their baby and changing their minds. This was a horrendous act, a, a sin beyond imagination. In fact, if you were to read from chapter 18 all the way to, to this point, you'd see a whole catalog of sins listed in this place. It talks about incest, witchcraft, bestiality, sodomy, adultery, children cursing their parents. Well, who'd imagine that one, right? But the culmination of all of these sins fell on this one. This was considered to be the worst of the worst. The worst of the, it was unthinkable. It, it, and you think about that. It would be unthinkable for a parent to sacrifice her own children. Who would do such a thing? To sacrifice their own children. There is no sin more shocking, more offensive to God than this one. Nothing else. So the worship of Moloch is sin at its worst. And what God says about it are some of the strongest words we read in the Bible. Now God says some things and you can feel his passion about some of the things that God says. Some of the things he describes, the things that he is opposed to, but there is nothing as opposed in God's heart, in his mind, as the worship of Moloch. And he says some heavy things here. He says, anybody who practices this kind of sacrifice is to be stoned to death. No trial, no questions asked, don't even do anything that appears to be anything similar to this. Stone that person to death. He doesn't say, see something, say something. He says, see something, start throwing rocks. Kill that person. Kill them, stone them to death. He even says, I will set my face against the man and I will cut him off from his people by giving those who give their children to Molech. For he has defiled my sanctuary. By them doing that in that sanctuary has defiled my sanctuary. It brings a bad name to me. He says it profanes my holy name. It's an affront to me. What you do over there for Molech, with Molech, whatever you do, in I take it personal, God says. He goes on to say, if the people of the community close their eyes when that man gives one of his children to Molech and they fail to put him to death, I will set my face against that man and his family and will cut off from the people, both him and all who follow him in prostituting themselves to Molech. God, God meant business when it came to, to this worship, worship of Molech. So the punishment for those who see it happen and do nothing about it was the same as those who would do such a thing. You think about that. Obviously, he means business. God means business. In the book of Jeremiah, chapter 32, verse 35, God says that this kind of sin is so detestable that it was beyond anything that he would have even thought about that, that humanity could produce on their own. It was like God says, what, kind, what are the possible things that humans could possibly do to sin against me? What are some of the things that they might creatively come up with to, to, uh, to be an abomination to me? And out of all the things God could think about, God could imagine he himself 
confesses that I would have never thought that people would come up with something like this. It was detestable to God. It was way off the charts with God. Can you imagine that God is saying that we come up with things that he couldn't even come up with? I wouldn't have even thought of that. Imagine them coming up with that stuff. Leviticus 18.21 says, do not give any, say any. Any, what does that mean? Is that like a spe special list? That means any, any of your children to be sacrificed to Molech. None, any, none of them. Well, what about in this case? None of them, any, to be given to Molech. Don't give any to him. For you must not profane the name of your God. And then he says, I am the Lord. Whenever you see that in the Bible, after a sentence, after a proclamation, there's a period, then it says, I am the Lord. And, and you see the word Lord, it's in capital letters, a big L, big O-R-D, but the O-R-D is a little bit smaller. You know what that is? Whenever you see that, that's his signature. That, that says Yahweh in the original language, he'll make a statement and then he'll sign his name. Yahweh, I'm saying this. Nobody's speaking for me. This is my heart. This is my passion. I am the Lord. Psalms 106 verse 37 tells us that those who sacrifice their children sacrifice them to demons. It's interesting that King Josiah, he was a, a, a child king. He became king at a young age. He was a little kid. That as he began to grow up, the first, one of the first things that he did is begin to destroy the temples of Molech. The Bible says that he desecrated that temple, which means that he defiled it. He dishonored it. In other words, what he did is he vandalized it, disrespected it. He wanted not only to destroy it and, 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 and make it of no use, he wanted everybody to know what he felt about that. He would not be king if his parents had took him to that temple. And in 2 Kings 23 verse 10 tells us why he did it. He says, so that no one can use it to sacrifice his son or daughter in the fires of Molech. He was grateful to be alive, grateful to have the, the ex escape, the, 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 the outstretched arms. And, and this thing, wherever these statues were set up, Whoever would pass by, he is begging for your kids. His arms were fixed, outstretched, begging for their kids. Come here and worship me. Bring your children. Right? Imagine young parents having to see this statue every day, passing by with his arms outstretched that way, begging for their children. Imagine young couples who are struggling financially, struggling and wondering, man, what can we do? Kids are making noise in the back. Shut up back there, you know, and making all kinds of noise, crazy. Hey, there's Molech. Hello. Begging for their children. Young mothers who feel, un, you know, overwhelmed. You know, young mothers that, you know, can't make ends meet. Unexpected pregnancies, troubled children. You know, didn't I tell you to clean your room? Come on, we're going. Where, where are we going, Dad? I don't say, just come on. <laughs> That's right. To God, the practice of child sacrifice 
was detestable. That means vile. It was vile, revolting to God, despicable. I mean, that strong language. The Bible speaks strongly about this, this practice, right? You know, and, and I see little children just Friday night. We were standing here talking. I see little kids and they're, they're running around, getting into everything. Where's Molek, man? No. They were running around and climbing up on the stage. And I see the, you know, they're developing and they're growing, they're looking and they're learning. And they're discovering things, developing a personality, developing a history that will turn into a legacy to grow up with skills. They will have laughter and joy, make friends. They will grow into a, a person that has a full life, a full life. They're discovering things. What a precious thing, man, it's an eternal thing. It's, I believe that every child is a creation a creation of God. God did not stop with the creation of the world way back when he first created things. Every conception is a creation. God goes with his hands and he recreates and recreates every living soul. The product of the hands of God. Amen. It is, it is nothing merely biological, nothing merely out of the will of two parents it is the will of God that we've been given life. God is doing something, creating a living soul that will live for eternity. So God says, stone the man who cuts that life short. This was the most inhumane, unnatural practice, most unnatural ritual known to humanity. Every other ritual may have been reflect its indulgences of some sort, excessive lusts of some sort, you know, practices outside of accepted behavior. There are all kinds of weird and strange rituals, but there was nothing like this. Under normal circumstances, it is instinct for a parent to protect. Under normal circumstances, it is an instinct for parents to provide, to provide safety, to feed, to nurture, to, to protect whether it be human, dog, or hamster. They protect their young. We live to protect them. We work to provide for them. We risk our lives to keep them safe. That's natural, man, that's instinct. You don't even have to think about it. My, my kid is in danger, you have to think, what should I do, what? wait a minute, huh? what should I do, what, let me see, let me check. You know, we have instructions on, we don't think about what, we respond. We respond, we, we act, it is instinct for us. So to kill them, willingly kill them was the grossest, most inhumane, despised practice of the Bible. Oh man, I'm making this look real bad. <laughs> but I think that this is what God feels. This is what God feels. Because today, this practice has softened its edges. It is not as detestable. It looks different. It has different names today, different descriptions. It divides political parties, and it almost becomes like an over-the-counter response to planning families. Today, we live in a society that has cast off the morality of the past 
as outdated. This is outdated stuff you're talking about. The morality of Christianity is outdated. The morality of the Bible is outdated. Which encourages people to fight for the rights of babies, to keep people alive, to keep life. And that places a priority of life over convenience. Today we're up against a society that doesn't share those same convictions. And I'm not saying that we try to convince the world to have the same convictions as we have because you can't, you can't convince the world to have the same convictions that you have. But you can maintain your convictions, right? There are people out there who see nothing wrong at all with Moloch. And I would agree that if you mute the gospel and if you mute the commandments of God, it seems rational. Moloch seems rational if you mute the gospel. If you, if you close your ears to the words of God and everything God has taught us, it, it becomes easy for someone to rationalize the need for Moloch. And I, I would further, myself, further concede that those who don't feel as strong about the, the right for babies to live, those that feel that they should have a choice whether or not to keep their children or not, I would, I, would, I would even concede the fact that they have a very rational argument, very persuasive argument. If you've ever heard the argument of those who argue for those kinds of choices, it, it sounds rational, it sounds convincing and, and persuasive, and I would agree, it is very persuasive. People will rationalize why we do the things we do. Some would argue that Moloch is a lesser evil than the other options up against it. They would argue that, that carrying a child for nine months and keeping it is worse because it threatens my lifestyle. The lifestyle of the mother. It, it threatens her present and her future self. What career can I have? I'll have to wait. I have to put this off. I have to, you know, I, it's, it's, a, it's an evil to me. I'll have to die to my normal life. I have to die to my dreams. I have to die to my lifestyle. So the lesser evil is to go talk to Molech. In fact, they would probably tell me, you know, you're not the one carrying the baby. What are you talking about, you know? And I get that. And I would agree, yes, I'm, I'm not. And it sounds rational. It sounds rational. But you know what, I, I, you know, honestly, with God as my witness, when I heard Alyssa say, when she got up here and she says, uh, I want to introduce myself, I am the daughter of John and Diana. When she said that, God just spoke to me. Thank God for children. Thank God for children who can stand up and reflect the values of their parents. Some will argue that, man, it may be a lesser evil than the burdensome task of finding suitable parents for an unwanted child. Some may argue that Moloch is a better option. You don't have to deal with looking for suitable parents. You don't have to stockpile children living lives in, in, in foster care. Moloch is an, a much more suitable, much more humane way to go. And they would argue that. And again, it could sound extremely rational. 
And believe me, I am very sensitive to all of the complex and very difficult challenges that this topic raises for people. Most people don't talk about it because of that. Believe me, I, I, I understand that. But even back then, even back in the times of, of Scripture, for those who placed their children in the arms of Moloch, I'm sure that it wasn't without rationalization. It wasn't like as if they just, hey, let's just do this without thinking about it. They, 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 you know, they didn't know why their crops were failing. They didn't know why sickness was running rampant in the community. They didn't know why you know, uh, the, the sun was hot and it stopped raining and, and how to fix that. They were only acting on what they heard from other people. They didn't know anything about the spread of germs as a reason for mass sickness. They didn't have penicillin or antibiotics. So when someone would tell them, give your babies and, and life will be easier for you. Bring your babies. And they would see these things set up on the side of the road and services and people giving their children and justifying, justifying why they did that. Man, it became an option for them when their crops failed. And when sickness was running rampant and when their lifestyle seemed to be challenged and, and, you know, man, these kids become a burden. Man, Moloch seems like a viable option. And when they, question, they face these questions about survival, well-being, and, and it seemed like God wasn't answering their prayers, Molech stood there with his arms outstretched. Just come to me, all who are weary and heavy burden, and I'll give you rest. That's what he said. He stood there with his arms outstretched at a time when, when people were struggling. Moloch might have seemed like a, a rational choice to a lot of young parents. And even then, people would have had to neglect the command of God. They would have had to ignore what God was saying, who clearly said, do not give any of your children to be sacrificed to Moloch. And no matter how you frame this argument, you can't forget what God is saying about Jeremiah. He said to Jeremiah, man, I knew you before you were formed in the womb. Before you were formed, before there was ever, ever any physical development, I knew you. I had a relationship with you. I knew you intimately. I knew you personally before you were formed, before you were conceived in your mother's womb. I knew you. I knew you. Man, it's heavy. That's, that's amazing. God was preparing an immortal soul, a human with a destiny, a human with a personality, with a calling, and God knows him personally and intimately. Before the fetus stage, before the embryonic stage, people try to, de to, to determine, well, when, when the right period, when his life began. God says, no, you began before you were conceived. I knew you then. I knew you then. For Israel, this was an issue not just of national importance, but of spiritual importance. It wasn't a political matter. It wasn't a social question. It was a question about spirituality, about a relationship with God. God says, you know, don't do this. So is Molech alive and well in Inglewood? Perhaps he is. Perhaps he is. Moloch is alive and well wherever, wherever and however children are lost. There may not be just one way, but wherever and however children are lost, 
Molech is alive. He's constantly with his arms outstretched. And he makes promises that he can't fulfill. Give me your children and I'll give you happiness. Give me your children and I'll give you wealth. You want a career? You want a blessing? You want peace? Right? You want peace in your life? Give me your children. I'll give you everything you want. It'll just cost you your children. There was a... Uh, a woman who, who works uh, there at the school where I, where I work, and uh, she was crying one day because she had discovered, she had th three kids, you know, she's trying to start a career, she's in school, she's, you know, and, and she found that she was pregnant, and she was crying distraught, distraught, and she's like, you know what, I don't know, I don't know what I'm going to do, and... Uh, and so just the other day, you know, my wife uh, keeps in touch with her. Just the other day, she says, you know, the baby that I had, she went ahead, she had the baby, and she said, you know, the baby that I, that I have, that, that baby makes more money than my husband and, and, and me put together. You know, she started doing commercials. She did a commercial for Disney the other day, and she said, man, she, they, you know, we, we, we live off of her income, you know. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Molek didn't know that, did he? God is able to do far beyond we can ask or imagine. Far beyond we can ask or imagine. Moloch will promise you things that he can't fulfill. So this morning, I'd like to pray for us as parents. Some of us are parents. And you'll always be a parent. I, I like what Randall said on Friday night, man. It, you know, when you think of parent, you think of like being parents of little kids. He says he's a parent, he's, he's a parent of elderly kids. <laughs> An elderly kid is a grown-up kid, you know? <laughs> Big kids, adult children. He's a parent of adult children. And he can't tell them to do this or that. They jump on him and beat him down, you know? And he's looking for Molech all over the place. Where's the Molech? So I, I want to pray for parents that God, number one, will provide for you. Some of the times, Molech looks attractive because people have needs. They have needs. And Molech makes a promise. Bring your kids to me. And that's what they did. He was the God that would send rain. He was the God of fertility. If we sacrifice this one, then we'll have more. If we give up the one, we'll have more. If, if, we, if we sacrifice him, he'll bless us. He'll bless our crops. He'll bless our lives. He'll, he'll protect us. He'll provide for us. I want to pray for you that God will provide for you. Whatever you need, he is able. So I want to pray for that. Number two. I want to pray that God would protect you. Molech seemed like a rational choice for those parents. Rational. Everybody else is doing it. Everybody else, it couldn't be that bad. It, it's accepted everywhere. There's, there's uh, you know, places all over, you know, and, and this statue was, was everywhere asking, asking for children. Just recently, there was a, a video that got out of, of a conversation in a restaurant of someone who was, who was buying fetuses and, and selling the parts of children to other people. Selling them like a commodity, build an industry, making money. And there are places all over the place, buildings and institutions everywhere. It's become an industry where Molech has his hands out. Hey, bring your kids here. Bring them here. I want to pray that God will protect you because the lie of Moloch 
is rational and convincing. And thirdly and lastly, I'd like to pray for you that God would empower you with discernment. With discernment. Because, because there are a lot of ways that Molech dis- destroys and damages children. Lots of ways. Not just, not just with the sacrificing. But they can be, children can be damaged in a lot of ways. And, and they grow up damaged. They grow up hurt, scarred, and, and things that, that are, are never made right. And so I want to pray for you as parents that God would empower you, that, that we would have the kind of discernment that recognizes, recognizes a, a, a bad environment, recognizes bad influences, recognizes the kinds of things that damages a life of a child. I'd like to pray for that. Jesus kind of reiterates his feeling about this when he says in the Gospels, he says it is better for a millstone to be tied around the neck of a person and for that person to be thrown into the deepest part of the sea than for them to bring harm to a child, for them to cause a child to sin, for them to destroy that child's spirit, that child's ability to grow and form and to, and to build his own family, his own dreams, to serve God his own way, her own way, in a way that honors God, and not by the influence of what this world believes, but according to the word of God, according to God's purposes and promises. So I want to pray for you that God would empower you with discernment. I'm going to ask you to stand with me this morning. And there's so much more I'd like to say about this topic. So much more. I believe that a part of Abraham's willingness to sacrifice his own son was because this was such a rampant belief back in his day. And that the only sacrifice of a, of a son is the sacrifice of Jesus. That's the only sacrifice that means anything. The only sacrifice that could save, the only one that has any kind of power, any kind of efficacy that changes, that redeems, that saves, that provides, is the sacrifice of Jesus. And everything else falls short in comparison. Father God, I pray this morning. I pray for parents. I pray for future parents. I pray for children. I pray, Father, this morning for your providence, that you would provide, that you would provide. I pray, Father God, that we would recognize the beauty and the hope, all of the conversations, the dreams, the laughter, the personality that you're developing in the lives of those children, free to become themselves, free to become, to fulfill the plan and the calling that you have for them. I pray, Father, for a covering that you would provide, I pray for parents, that you would provide everything they need to raise those children. Father God, is it financial? Father God, is it shelter? Is it education? Father God, what may it be? Whatever it is that you would provide miraculously because the greater miracle is that a child has been given to them. So I pray, Father God, your covering and your protection and your providence. I pray, Father God, 
Lord God, that you would give discernment for parents, Lord God, grandparents, to see, to sense, to recognize, to read into what is taking place concerning their children. That they would ask the right questions about teachers at school, programs, things, Father God, that they would avoid placing their children in harm's way, that they would set parameters around their kids, what influences them. Father, I pray for protection. I pray for discernment, that you would empower them to discern what is true and what is right. Lord God, I pray, Father God, let us protect the good that you've given us, that we don't waste the good that you've given us. I pray for our children, Lord God. Oh God, bless our children. Bless them, Father God. Oh God, let us have the heart of Josiah to tear down, Lord God, every idea, my God, that even questions the sanctity of life, Father God, to be opposed, Father God, to the, to the idea, my God, that, that anyone would want to sacrifice their children. I pray, provide for us. Lord God, provide for us, Lord God. If, if, if we, my God, as a church, could make a difference in our community, help us, help us, Lord God, to make a difference. We thank you, Lord. We ask this all in Jesus' name. If God has spoken to you, perhaps you're a parent this morning. Perhaps you're a parent and you wanna acknowledge God's providence in your life, acknowledge God walking with you when you could not see any way to make ends meet. God was right there for you. He continues to be the provider, continue to be the protector, continues to, to empower us, to, to enable us. Oh, Father God, I pray for those, Father God, Father God, those who have, who have risen up, my God, to the calling of a parent, for fathers, for mothers, for grandparents, Lord God. Father, whose, whose care, my God, you've given us, my God, you've given us children, you've given us grandchildren, Lord God, to provide for, to protect, to pray for. I pray, Father God, for discernment. I pray that you provide, my God, every need we have, financial, my God, spiritual, emotional. My God, give us strength, my God, open doors for us, my God. I pray, pour upon us, my God, your anointing, my God, to do the things you've called us to do. I pray for parents, my God. I pray for grandparents this morning. Oh, you're covering, Lord God. I rebuke in the name of Jesus, Molech, and every house, my God, in every image of Molech in our city. I pray, Father, your blessing, your providence, your grace in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you.